dancing elephant with tiny eyes and great big trunk Want whispered to the tiny ear, the ear of one inferior That by next June he'd die, oh yeah, because the tiger would roam The little one said, oh my goodness, I must stay at home And every time I hear a growl, I'll know the tiger's on the prowl And I'll be really safe, you know, the elephant, she told me so Everyone was nervy, oh yeah, and a message was spread To zebra mongoose and the dirty hippopotamus Who wallowed in the mud and chewed his spicy hippoplankton food And tended to ignore the word, referring to survey a herd of stupid water bison Oh yeah, and all the jungle took fright and ran around for all the day and the night But all in vain, because you see the tiger came and said, who me? You know I wouldn't hurt not one of you I much prefer something to chew and you're all too scanned Oh yeah, he ate the elephant You're listening to Red Button on Cone Radio, 106.6 FM Right, hello and welcome to this week's edition of Red Button with me, yours truly, Adrian Cohen, designated broadcaster who makes right-on radio that deliberately makes people's lives better. And you know what Cohen Radio has been abuzz with this week? There's been a lot of people making a lot of fuss about Dave Nash and his 103 countries that he's visited and, uh, you know, it's just complete coincidence. But this week, this last week, I've had a bit of a chance to do a bit of travelling myself. And um, I w- would like to send you a little report on each of the places that I travelled to. Hello there, this is Adrian here. I'm talking to you from Moldova. And I'm just uh, walking down the street here. I was just talking to somebody in a, in a, in a cafe. Uh, he, he spoke very good English. He told me that uh, it's officially called the Republic of Moldova. And it's a landlocked country, as, as I, I know, because I'm here, in Eastern Europe bordered and I was looking at it uh, to the west bordered by Romania and I also had a little look there as well to the north the east and the south all around there it's bordered by Ukraine and I'm here in the capital city it's just now so uh, he said some other things about it uh, about uh, the 14th century and, and so on and uh, you can look it up on Wikipedia but it's nice we're walking along here there are nice shops and the people be quite honest, looking thoroughly European. Um, it's a pity that Dave Nash uh, has never never had the chance to come to Moldova. Uh, it would have been one of the first places I would have chosen. Uh, it's the kind of the the kind of destination really for a, a discerning traveller rather than kind of bulk traveller, mass counting the countries kind of traveller. I mean, I. I've been to, I don't really count countries, uh, uh, except well, I do know that I've been to 101, and this is now number 102. Uh, uh, and uh, I think that uh, Dave Nash, not, not, uh, not that it really matters, but Dave Nash I think has been to 103, so we shall see about that. Oh look, there's, here's some interesting street musicians from Moldova. Let's have a little listen to this.
You're listening to Red Button with Bill Lawrence, Ian Tallentire, Mike Harwood and special guest Jill Ball. One ball, Steve Ball, that was okay, but two balls are even better. Well, hello everybody. This is Red Button. You're all welcome. You're all welcome. We are at the uh, Stinging Octopus, the new wine bar at the at the uh, right on the right on the river at the Hive in Colchester. Please come and join us. We'd be delighted to see you. We're at the front bar where the pool table is. Mike's at the bar. It's it's his round. Yeah, uh, it's a round number six. But fortunately, uh, oh Mike, yeah. who's counting? Well, this place at least a little bit cheaper. I can save five pence, and I won't have to get a third job. <laughs> well, you're you're very welcome. Uh, Ian's here, but our very very special guest. I'm delighted to say as uh, that her bus has arrived. So, Alien Bridgegate, you'll be delighted to know her bus has arrived. Um, with the emails are coming in thick and fast. Actually, there's one just popped in, uh, and it says, uh, "Delighted that Mr. Harwood's smooth uh, has smooth toes." To go- <laughs> I don't think I can read this out. <laughs> Delighted that Mr. Harwood has smooth toes to go with his devastating good looks. Mike, you never told us about your toes. Well, I, uh, I, I, next time I come on the show, I'm going to not wear any shoes. Need for a pedicure, Mike? Well, it cost me a lot of money, but uh, I'm not vain. Well, anyway, um, welcome to everyone that's listening. Let's get on with the show. And uh, you're very welcome to listening us here live. We are live here on the... Uh, Fourth floor of Colne Radio Towers. Adrian is doing is is looking after the show, and we're down here at the uh, at the wine bar. There's a lovely wine bar, isn't it? Do you like it, Mike? I like it. It's um, got a view of the uh, the Colne. Well, I'm delighted. They still, they serve their wine in pints. So well done for getting that in. <laughs> well done, Mike. Well, I had trouble bringing four pints of wine back. I think we had to get some assistance. Well, look, Jill. Let's talk to you. Hello, Jill. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? I'm very, very well, and uh, you, I hope you like this wine bar. We've got you the, the comfy stool to sit on there. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> and uh, and uh, nice that, Mike, uh, if you just lie, lie, lean over there, Mike, we can put the drinks on your back. Is that okay? That's no problem at all. I Thank you very sacrifice much. anything for the Red Button Show. Well, my, uh, Jill, you'll be delighted you've come join us, and uh, one of the reasons we've called you in is uh, because you're very involved in our community. We're a community radio station. Community is what we're about uh, here on Colm Radio. And what, what I particularly uh, want to talk about is your involvement, your participation in the community that you live and work in. Um, tell us what sort of things have you, have you taken part in and participated in? Uh, is it you've been involved in the, the Rainbows? Yeah, for the last, gosh, seven years, I've been um, leader of First Pretty Gate Rainbows um, in good old Pretty Gate in Colchester. Um, and Rainbows is the youngest part of Girl Guiding and so we take girls from age 5 to just about 7 um, right. we always have a waiting list I think I've got about 25 on my waiting list at the moment and I've got about 18 girls in the unit this is what surprises me uh, that it's still so popular when you know this sort of even leaving the house for most people seems to be unpopular to meet other people in the community what do you think is about Rainbows then that's still so popular people want to take part and participate in it I just think all the, all the parents are really keen for their daughters to get involved in something that isn't school. Yeah. There's so much pressure in school now. That's right, yeah. Um, and guiding generally is probably one of the cheapest things that you'll ever do because, I mean, we charge, I think it's about £30 a term, so it's about £3 a week. Right. So you compare that with going to dance or going to gymnastics yeah. or any of the, the other things that kids get up to, football, it's, it's good value, the girls have a brilliant time, nobody's testing them. <laughs> Wasn't that nice? I just having a good time. Is that nice? And, and, and a time when they're unpressured? Because actually, you could say if they go back in their rooms and lock on to the old social media, there's a massive testing of people. It's massive pressure, isn't it? So you got the rainbow, seven years, a long time, and you still do it even though your children are no longer, or you did it. Yeah, I, I got involved, um, like most people. You know, the, the definition of a volunteer is that you're somebody who didn't understand the question. Yeah. And um, that was very true <laughs> for me. There were, there were four mums... Um, so about seven years ago, my oldest daughter was in Rainbows and the leaders walked out. They gave us about four weeks' notice. Um, and we were all summoned for a meeting as parents. And they said, we'd love it if some of you mums could help until we find new leaders. And here I am. <laughs> but, but mums were quite happy to help. I mean, it sometimes surprises us. I think no one wants to help. Is it just me that wants to help? But it's generally people are, are happy to chuck in. It's, it can be really hard to find people, but there's always like a core group yeah. of people in any community yeah. who are getting involved with stuff 
yeah. mean, I've been involved with the PTA at school as well right. for for too long, um, for a long time. And, and actually, we're the, the, the group that I started with, we're all sort of leaving now because our kids are getting older. But brilliantly, there are new parents getting involved. And so there's always people around willing to, to muck in and, and do stuff. Well, your, your, involve, your involvement has also been uh, maybe a slightly uh, more complex level because you've been a governor as well, haven't you? In your yeah, I was, I was governor at Pretty Gate Infant School and then um, across both schools. Um, yeah, so that's, that, was a real, that was a real privilege. That was five years. Um, and I really loved it. It's hard work. Um, they it would sort of say work, it's, there's it? not much commitment, but it, there's a lot to do and yeah. it's a, quite a responsibility. But actually, it's a real privilege to kind of work with... Um, obviously the teachers but other um, colleagues across the community to try and make the school that your kids are at or the school that you're involved with that do everything it's supposed to yeah well uh, we're going to sort of move now to I know that you're sort of political with a small p you know you, you have very and strong and a big p sometimes and a big p <laughs> sometimes but you certainly you know have evolved a, a, more than maybe a lot of people politically you're much more um, vociferous, vocal, much more involved than a lot of people. What do you think drives you to do that? How did you evolve that way, do you think? Well, well that's a massive question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I suppose my first political memory is 1979, and so a lot of listeners will know that was the year Margaret Thatcher came to power. And I was seven, six and a half years old, I think. And I remember her being on TV all morning. That's kind of my first memory of politics, was... A female prime minister who didn't stop talking <laughs> right and obviously i growing up in the north i was i grew up in um, salford and we saw firsthand sort of the not to get too party political but you know the devastation of some of the the policies of the conservative government then um in 1984 um in the end as a family we moved down south because my dad although he had a job um he could see that the future of the company that he was working for wasn't going well um and so we we headed down south like millions of others did um, for a brighter future. <laughs> so this is perhaps where you, were, you became politically charged and created at, at this time. That's quite young. Yeah, and I mean, you've got to remember 1984, so Band-Aid Single was, was launched the, the, the Christmas that I, that I moved from the north to the south. So from that sort of start, really. And then Live Aid took place, that's, you know, 1985. So there was a big kind of political awakening for sort of young people through music. Um, I went to a lot of festivals. One festival I went to, um, I got involved with the church when I was down in Letchworth. And we went to a, a big festival called Greenbelt, which still runs. And that's a big kind of political Christian arts festival. Yeah. So that was kind of where I learned about Nelson Mandela. That's where I learned about what was going on in Nicaragua and Namibia and all these Palestine, all these things that were going on in the 80s and 90s. That was kind of a foundation for my sort of politics and a kind wonderful, of, wonderful education. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was kind of interesting because, you know, my parents didn't particularly agree with anything we said, so that's kind of probably where I learned to be vociferous. Yeah. Certainly none of those things you learn at school, or certainly not taught in schools today particularly. Um, and you do need to be drawn in, don't you, by someone maybe. You, it was someone that influences and you said your parents drew you in and you were lucky enough to have parents that were... Um, politically aware as well and, and wanted to talk to you about it and um, presumably you talk to your own children about politics oh yeah for sure I mean I don't think um, our kids can grow up in our house without kind of knowing the world's a big place there's lots of things to do and see and it's, it's bigger than Colchester and I think if you can give children an awareness of, of what they're about obviously you'd, it needs to be age appropriate you don't want to terrify them or give them sort of false sure. premise but I think you know it's good that you know, our kids are aware that there the are issues with the climate change. They can't fail to notice what's going on with Brexit. There's all kinds of things that um, they're just aware of and they're, they're concerned about. My oldest daughter's very passionate about the proposed closures of the libraries in Essex. Um, she yeah. wants to go on the Children's March on the 27th of April. Um, so, yeah, there's... Well, I think we're, we're, I think we went well, to have this conversation. It's very interesting. In the meantime, Mike, you can get up now. That must yeah. be hurting. I think you're back, Mike. Back. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, yeah, that's right. I tell mean, uh, you, stretch your back a little bit. Why don't you yeah. just pop back to the bar and get another one for us? Well, fortunately, I do yoga, so I uh, I, I didn't uh, spill anything from my back. But, uh, that's, that's marvelous. We'll, we'll, it'll, be rel- it'll be a relief to go to the bar again, even though it's my seventh round in the run. Oh. Uh, I'll, I'll go. Thanks, uh, Mike. I can stretch. Son. And when his daddy would visit, he'd come along 
they gather round and started talking. Passing Billy would take me walking. Out through the backyard we go walking. Then he look into my eyes. Lord knows to my surprise, the only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. You see what he was. Being good isn't always easy No matter how hard I try When he started sweet talking to me He come and tell me everything is alright He kiss and tell me everything is alright Can I get away again tonight? The only one who could ever reach me Was the son of a preacher man The only boy who could ever teach me Was the son of a preacher man Yes he was Syria. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this is another country uh, that uh, Dave Nash didn't have the uh, the curiosity or, or the or the courage to visit. If I, I'm not sure, I, I I didn't really listen very closely to last week's red button uh, because, well, you know, people have made a lot of fuss about the Dave Nash appearance and, and really, oh. Did he? Was he on the program? There, yeah, that's my attitude. Anyway, I'm walking down the street here in Syria, and I was just talking to a, a sort of a kind of a Syrian uh, kind of guy, I suppose, basically, on a street corner just just there. He said that uh, it's officially the Syrian Arab Republic, and it's a country in Western Western Asia. Who would have thought it? Uh, I, you know, Western Asia. What? You know, Asia is like, you know, Tokyo, yeah, and uh, the back streets of, uh, of Bangkok. But here it is, bordering Lebanon. I was just taking a look at that to the southwest. And, of course, uh, looking here from the street, I can see the Mediterranean Sea there to the west, Turkey to the north, uh, Iraq to the east, and, of course, Jordan to the south. Uh, so uh, if Dave Nash had come to Syria, then he'd have been walking down this street it's, uh, it's very nice, there's shops, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's very European, I would say, uh, for a, a Western Asian country. Uh, but it's, it's, it's quite, quite nice, yes. Just a little bit of curiosity, just a little bit of courage, you know, in terms of being a world traveller, it brought me here. But I'm sure that when, uh, when Dave Nash heads for his target of 190 countries, 
he'll find his way to Syria, why not? Anyway, look, there's some rather interesting street music here. Let's have a little listen to this. This week's special guest, Jill Bell. What? All right. Uh, it's Ball. Jill Ball. It says Bell on the script. I'm just saying. All right. Red button. Pressurizing our friends to appear on the show. And uh, everyone is welcome back here. To, we're in the wine bar at the Hive in Colchester. Please come and join us. You're listening to Red Button here on Colm Radio, 106.6 FM and live streaming. Now, uh, I'd just like to say, we've got a little text here. It's just arrived and it says, um, Adrian has been busy travelling at Colm Radio's expense, as I'd mentioned. But the little text from the accounts department says, uh, Adrian's made no travel expenses claims this week. That's a bit, a bit strange, isn't it? Anyway, um... I thought he seems to be suggesting he's all over the world. Anyway, no travel claims uh, made. No travel claims even made. So anyway, we're back here. We're with Jill, Jill Ball. Hello, Jill. Hello. And on my left, uh, it's uh, just come back to his seat from the bar. It's yeah. Mike Harwood. Hello, Mike. Hello. Yeah. And over there on the on the right, it's just actually uh, been uh, taking part in that pool game you could probably just hear a shot there he did very well Ian well done not bad I won me 50p back well done it's a special 50p it was it? a special 50p I think it's worth more than 50p Bill oh, I don't understand that Ian uh, sorry uh, Mike yeah well Jill um, I caught the end of you uh, what you were saying about uh, your um, work with the girl guides and because uh, I was at the bar it took me a while this time so many people I fought my way through but uh um, in my in my day, um, in uh, born in 1930, 1937, um, the Cubs and Scouts that I uh, was uh, participated in, we did things like um, got badges for lighting fires and um, doing six different kinds of knots. But I got the sense um, that these days the Girl Guides has a much more kind of modern, uh, connected to the world around them. Uh, kind of um, uh, motif to it what, what, what would you say yeah I think it's probably fair to say um, that's the case although I'd definitely say there's a, a there's a lot of uh, camping and fire lighting and mm. cooking on open fires and knots and all that kind of stuff goes on as well um, but Girl Guiding is introducing a new program um, and um, I think it's probably been in the press a bit we're all getting to grips with it and you know we're all a bit going change we're not sure about it but actually um, there's a there's a lot to offer and um, it's kind of freshened things up and one of the big elements of it um there are sort of some different themes that you can pursue and one of them is take action and that goes from rainbows all the way up to to rangers um which is sort of encouraging girls to be able to campaign to to, to do research into the things that they're passionate about and to to take action in the local community whether it's a litter pick or it's campaigning against ch- climate change you know but it's it's sort of a the idea across girl guiding is that it gives girls a voice yeah that's impressive because um, the way young people have been um, campaigning about climate change and uh, kind of organising their own uh, demonstrations and information about what's wrong and uh, what should happen, I guess that, that kind of filters through in some way. Yeah, it does, and you're right. I mean, really amazing to see yeah. 
and thank God someone's doing something. Very encouraging, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. If I could just interject, also quite nice, uh, particularly in the, the present situation you almost get with schooling where all the kids seem to walk in and they look like little clones of one another. They're dressed identically, they're wearing, carrying identical bags, they've got the identical haircut. You don't get the impression that many children these days are finding their, the individual voice or the individual direction that I think back in my childhood of the late 60s and early 70s we were encouraged to be slightly yeah. different we didn't want to fit in that yeah, much they, although inevitably you did fit in because you just all fit in with each other I'm not sure I ever did Jill <laughs> <laughs> no but yeah I mean it, I think it's there's huge pressures to conform but I think there always has been you know I mean when I was at school you know there were, there were the goths and there were the metlers and they were the the casuals and you know and then they were the the rest of us you know yeah. i guess the point i was trying to make was do you find that that the that girl guiding um and the rainbows and the bit that you're doing does allow them to develop those skills the skills of an individual yeah i hope so i mean ironically you know they all wear a uniform so they all come in looking the same but um, I mean, I really encourage my girls to get messy, to not worry about it. And, I, and some of them say, oh, mummy doesn't like me to get my uniform dirty. And I say, well, that's why you've got a uniform. So you can come here, get paint all over it. You're not spoiling your normal clothes. It washes out. It's all good. And so it's, it's kind of... They're, they're, often the rules at school are quite strict. Obviously, we have to have some order in the room. But at the same time, girls that maybe struggle within mainstream school can have a home you know we've had kids come through who have, have, have autism um, we've had kids come through who are type 1 diabetic or, um, or celiac so kids who maybe feel different or have something about them that makes them feel awkward but actually in, in guiding there's no issue we're not trying to manage their behavior or get them to achieve a certain level in a test they're there to ha- participate yes they can do badges and obviously there's yeah. a standard but it's not like school where they have they only get the badge if they reach that standard it's about every girl doing their best that's part of the promise that we all make you know i promise the first thing you ever say as a guide of a brownie or a rainbow when you make your promises i promise that i will do my best yeah. so and, and that's what it's all about yeah. so your best will, will be very different you know mike from ian's best that doesn't sure. matter right. you know you that, that's fine as long as yeah, you're doing yours your best, will be better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but so so it is about inclusivity it's about facilitating people to be themselves within a group mm. i guess it sounds like you're uh, allowing them to express themselves in oh, yes. various ways and be <laughs> part of a group and work yeah. together which is great yeah it's fun which um kind of that's uh, what would you say engages your own uh, political way and the way you express it and uh, motivate people what makes you feel you want to engage in uh, in change for example i think i'm a bit of an information geek i love learning and reading and finding out what's going on in the world and i'm interested in so inevitably you come up against stuff that you think, well, that's not right, or I don't agree with that, or why is that happening? Mm. Um, one of the things I've really valued about social media, um, particularly with Facebook, is that you've got this great ability to share articles from all around the world about things that are happening in your own country, but anywhere else. And then you can post them on your Facebook page, provide that information for other people to, to read and pass on or ignore, or kind of go, oh, where did you find that? I don't agree, I think this. And so that can be a real kind of benefit because people you're, you're raising awareness about things that other people didn't know it can cause stress and anxiety when people start to disagree but actually in some ways it can be a more gentle way of learning how to debate if you've got the right kind of audience and if you facilitate that but you know social media's got its its burdens as well <laughs> this is true i think we're coming to that uh, uh topic a little bit later but that's, yeah. that's very interesting because that's relevant about um how you uh communicating with people how to draw them in and um, um, I guess with um, uh, a lot of um, councils having um, problems um, putting money through to uh, to kind of community activities um, how, how do you feel about that in terms of your own your own uh, your own politics uh, sense of the world how long have you got well, I mean austerity has been a devastating policy for this country hasn't it and you can see that it's depriving communities of, you know, forget, forget kind of helping community groups, but, you know, education, health, 
all the kind of stuff that we need and local councils are strapped for cash and it's really easy to throw stones at what a local council is choosing to spend with its money but actually yeah. they've got no control over their, where their money comes from particularly. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, the library closure has been, I think, something that potentially Essex County Council's really shot themselves in the foot over because, you know, it's mobilised people in a way possibly that that collectively as a county Essex hasn't mobilised in this way before. There have been protests in every community and it's really revived a passion for what libraries represent yeah. and, and the purpose of libraries for so communities. Do you think that's involved people that would not normally get involved in, uh, in, in politics? I think, it's, I think it has. I mean, we just as a really simple example, so Pretty Gate Library, which is the second most used library in Colchester, um, but earmarked for being a tier four, um, things are moving on, so we're not sure what's going to happen with it, but there was a, a community meeting in the pub on Pretty Gate. Yeah. And the, the age range was you know, from someone who was 18 to someone who was probably in their 80s. And of all political mm. views, um, and the pub was packed. Mm. And so I think when you touch on something that is of tangible value to so many different people, it, affects, it, ra- it raises people's awareness. And, and yeah. perhaps maybe, you know, a few people have now got involved in local politics more than they might have done. Yeah, but it affects every, it affects uh, every age, age range, Every it? age and range. local communities. Yeah. You know, they, they do say, don't they, that uh, you have to be involved in the process to get to complain about the results. Uh, and it's wonderful to see people getting involved, really. So uh, we're going to move on and get involved with something else. And the first thing we, before we get involved, though, we're going to listen to an absolutely wonderful piece of music. <laughs> This is Adrian here, the uh, designated broadcaster of, uh, what would you call it, Red Button, that's right. I was a bit distracted, uh, almost forgot, because I'm actually reporting to you here from the, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. 
Um, I've got no idea whether it's true, but some, somebody mentioned that Dave Nash had never been to the DRC, and uh, uh, that's a pity. Uh, I can tell him all about it if he wants to, uh, to listen to me talking about the countries I've been to, which... You know, he might want to. I don't know. Anyway, here it is. It's in French. It's. Uh, I was talking to a Congo guy uh, in a shop. It was like a kind of a Seven Eleven, except uh, it was called something else. And he said that uh, in French, it's République Démocratique du Congo, uh, also known as DR Congo or DRC or DROC or Congo Kinshasa or simply. The Congo, and it's it's lo located here, as I can see. Uh, take my word for it; it's here, as I walk down this street in Central Africa. And uh, it was called Zaire at one point. And I remember when Zaire were in the World Cup in I think 1974. I I really had high hopes for them. Uh, anyway, walking down this street, the shops, and I mean, it's, it looks thoroughly African. Uh, I don't know whether I don't know how many countries Dave Nash has been to in Africa, but I, I do think he hasn't been here. And oh, this is interesting. Here is a here's a very uh, this is some street music here. Let's have a little listen to this this street music. Listening to Red Button with special guest Jill Ball. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Red Button here on Colm Radio. We're at the Stinging Octopus, the new wine bar down at the Hive here at Colchester. Please come and join us, as many people have done, uh, all sitting around watching us and listening to us with our very special guest, Jill Ball. Hello again, Jill. Hi, Bill. It's a de absolutely delighted. You can be with us. Now, um, just very interesting listening to Adrian there. Uh, he says he's recorded these in the last uh, few days, uh, these visits to these other countries. It's interesting because we just got a text, didn't we, from uh, Roger. Roger, uh, who lives in Stanway, says he absolutely convinced that he saw Adrian doing a bit of shopping in the Stanway co-op yesterday morning. So that must have been a remarkable coincidence. He must have a double doppelganger. Anyway... Uh, Ian, Ian, over to you. Yeah, Jill, I just wanted to come back to you. Um, you were talking about the closure of the libraries in the Essex area. Um, is the protest, do you feel, simply because it's the, la the loss of a community hub, or do you feel it's, you know, we've, we've recently had some um, information published, I think, by the Audit Office, stating that more children are living in, in poverty. Is it the fact that you're also losing massive educational resource for children from less uh, wealthy homes um, and therefore you're impacting on their educational ability. What, what specific area are you looking at for protest with this issue? I think it's all of that. I think it's absolutely all of that. So you've got um, 
Okay, so how, how have our family used the library? That's a really good example. Now, we're a family that have books, so um, we're not necessarily needing to go to the library, and yet I took both my daughters to the library from being really young. We used to go to the library story times, just at Pretty Gate, not the big count big one in town because it was too much effort to get there with a push chair so it's easy to walk to the local library um my older daughter she's at st benedict she drifts in the, the library on the way home from school so we have a family where books are available but we still want more books so we're using it regularly but you've got other families where maybe there aren't as many books in the house so it's a great resource for study it's a great resource for entertainment it's also a great place where people model behavior so children see other children taking books out and sitting down with books and reading and other children get an idea of what to do and that sounds really mad because we all kind of grow up in families where books are read where children came home from school you did their reading with them but there are loads and loads of families even even in pretty gay across colchester where the parents do not read with their children regularly and libraries provide another support another resource for that kind of opportunity and if we're trying to raise the education level for everybody and give everybody a fair crack at the whip then we have to make resources available within the community because not every family is there to provide that resource or has has the emotional energy to provide those kinds of resources okay so let's take you back to your rainbows a resource that you are providing for a small group yeah sure of children where are we failing on that point if we have an increasing amount of knife crime where we're having a breakdown in the fabric of social society still there's there appears to be no improvement in the crime figures where are we going wrong there let's let's make it really political this oh. evening go on kick that football around for a bit i wish I mean, if i could solve that one <laughs> <laughs> i'd be it, number it, 10 tonight give, wouldn't it, I? give us your view I think, I mean, the whole knife crime, I mean, there's always been knife crime. There's always been gangs of kids, youth, um, dissatisfied. There have always been gangs. When I was growing up, there were fights between schools. All that stuff goes on, and it's always gone on. But at the moment, there seems to be a particular edge to it. I think probably the last 10, 15 years, there's been a real change in society but uh, to point the finger at one cause and to say what it might be. I wasn't really going for the cause of the problem i was i was thinking in in my head there's also been a reduction in resource available to youths between the ages of 15 and probably 18 19 Um, that was more the point i was trying to play and i mean going back to my sort of teens um, I mean, I didn't go to it, but there was a. We, we lived in Letchworth Garden City in Hertfordshire, and my sister had a lot of friends from the next little town called Baldock. Baldock had its own paid community youth worker. There was a youth centre, and uh, so from the age of 13, my sister was going to a youth group run by a youth worker. I don't think there are many community youth workers around now. Um, I think there are, the gaps are being filled by youth organisations like guiding, like scouts, like all the different cadet groups i think a lot of churches have youth workers so there's there's capacity there but there is still a lack like you say of resource of funding to support youth kind of at the point where they need it at the point where they're turning away from the the natural authority of their parents they're looking for other voices aren't they they're looking for other influences some of those influences are going to come from school but some of those influences if they're not careful will come from more kind of malevolent forces yeah i guess if i take my own individual perspective it's it's that that thing that you end up with teenagers isolated in their bedrooms communicating on their phones on sometimes yeah i'm not quite there but yeah unsatisfactory social platforms yeah um rather than communicating face to face verbally learning how to discuss and um forming their own communities outside the home sure I, I, for me, that's where it, where it falls down, and it's really nice to come across people, a person who is uh, providing some of that social cohesion. So, thank you very much for that. Uh, me and thousands of others, loads of us. Yeah. What is uh, really interesting uh, talking about uh, uh, social cohesion is the way that Mike just masterfully strides across that bar. <laughs> in between the pool players and the crowd of people that have gathered to look at your toes, Mike. Well, I know. I, uh, they were looking at my toes while I uh, potted the black for somebody uh, as I had uh, a couple of pints in my hand. Uh, that was difficult, but uh, very satisfying. 
Well, let's have a little listen to this one then. Into a Welcome to Red Button here. In fact, this is a special report by yours truly, Adrian, the designated broadcaster. And I'm talking to you from Venezuela. Uh, I got in my plane earlier and I'm walking down the street now in the uh, the capital city, which is... Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see... Uh, Caracas, I do believe. Well, of course it is, because I'm here walking down the street in Caracas. I was just talking to a, a, a Venezuela, a Venezuelan, sorry, uh, and uh, it's officially the Bolivarian, Bolivarian, but Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela, which in in your actual Spanish is uh, Republica Bolivariana de Venezuela, and it's uh, it's a, it's a country, as I can. I can tell you because I'm here walking down the street. It's a country in the northern coast, on the northern coast of South America, consisting of a continental landmass and a large number of small islands 
and islets in the Caribbean Sea. So, um, yes, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, it's a little bit daunting. It's only really for the serious traveller. And I'm sure that uh, there will come a day when Dave Nash, a uh, friend of Bill and successful guest last week on Red, Red Button, everybody has been talking about it uh, incessantly and uh, lots of people listening to it on Mixcloud, lots of messages coming in uh, that mentioned Dave, well done Dave, uh, very interesting Dave uh, and I'm sure that there will come a day when the uh, the supposedly widely travelled Dave will, will find his way to Venezuela, not yet though and uh, anyway I'm walking down the street, it's very nice lots of shops and uh, you know you think actually that it's it's thoroughly um, the people look thoroughly South American which means that it's kind of like Europe but got that kind of South American uh, sort of thing which I can see I can see for myself although you can't because this doesn't make very good radio now actually uh, here's a, an interesting looking street band let's see what they're doing let's have a listen to this Adrian, I just got, we just got a text from Dave Nash. He said he's had a recount of the number of uh, countries he's been to, Adrian. He's been to 107. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, last bit of our chat with Jill. And Jill, it is a time of change at the moment, isn't it? Great change is going on, but there's still a lot of changes to go, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I think we're... <sighs> society's always changing I mean at the moment you know I'm going to say the word Brexit and there's so much change going on at the moment people are resisting change people are pushing for change do we understand what the change means change is really tough for human beings um, and we're naturally resistant to it I think it's actually a survival instinct isn't it you know if you think you're a hunter-gatherer you don't want things to change that much out of what you're used to because that can spell the end of you so change for change's sake isn't necessarily a good thing I absolutely agree with that. And do you know, do you know, Mike? Uh, I thought we'd got away in the whole show without uh, saying the B word. Uh, B Sorry. Word, what you mean, Button or Beaujolais or beer? Bobby Moore. Bless sir, him. Bobby Moore. Lord, sir, Bobby Moore. Bless him. Yeah. <laughs> there we have. Anyway, we're, we were hoping that things don't change too much, Jill. It's been absolutely marvellous having you on the show, and we, we want you to come back and talk to us again. Oh, There's lots of things to talk much. about, and uh, we've all got texts of coming in saying what a great voice you've got for Adi, but more importantly, just really enjoying the things you've been talking about. So that's always good, isn't it? That's Ian. Great. Thank you. Very Bill. Kind. Ian, what did you, what did you want to say in these last moments before I cut you off as I normally do? What do you feel about change? I think, generally speaking... It's something that we should be more positive about. We should try and take it in our stride. Except when it's a change I don't want. <laughs> and there lies the rub. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You've bang on It there. was all going in the right direction for a while there, wasn't it? <laughs> and Mike, what about you and change? Change? Well, uh, I could uh, give me uh, half an hour, but um, it's the change that can be achieved. That's, uh, that's what I'm interested in. I mean, uh, we've got to have optimism in this... Uh, Kind of world at the moment, and uh, let's keep positive and um, communicating what we what we want. What do we really want? Yeah, you're always going on about changing. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, my old man used to have this wonderful phrase. He used to, because from a family of six, um, and he used to sit us down and he'd say to us, "Right," he said, "You can all have a discussion about it, come to a conclusion, and then I'll decide." <laughs> and that was the sort of change he could cope with. <laughs> Remember the uh, change my grandmother used to say is um, look after the pennies and um, the pounds will look after themselves. But uh, 
Unfortunately, with the B word at the moment, that's uh, that would have been difficult to hold by, wouldn't it? Well, we are determined to resist that B word. We will remember the great B word of Bob, Sir Bobby, Lord Sir Bobby Moore. And uh, I noticed, uh, I read on social media today, you've been channeling him, Mike. This is true, um, because I was there when um, West Ham won the World Cup in uh, Forest in I 1966. Knew, I knew you'd say that. I knew that. I saw that Bobby. I saw him. Well, uh, not caring is probably Don't forget worse. old Nobby. Oh. And Nobby, yeah. Nobby Styles, No teeth. Well, everyone's got, everyone's got a voice. Uh, not everyone's got teeth. Poor old uh, Nobby didn't have them. But in these rather dark and difficult political landscapes, maybe we should all care a bit more. Maybe it's really important that we all care. And to care, of course, we need to be aware, involved, and we need to be engaged, don't we, in our community. Like you. That's the end of Red Button. Thank you so much for listening. And Red Button will be back next Thursday at 9 o'clock. Of course, always here on Colm Radio with more later evening conversation and music. So, from all of us here in the studio, goodbye. And may the road rise with you.